Hello and welcome back to Lounge with Books. I'm Sophie. And I'm Claire. And for those who have been listening for a long time, you know me and Claire are two friends <laughs> that keep in touch through the power of books. But for new listeners, me and Claire are long distance friends and we like to stay in contact by doing a little book club that we run where we chat about books that we're reading and we read a book together. And currently we are reading a book called Disorientation by <laughs> Elaine Shea Chow. And oh my gosh, this book is, I would say... It's definitely a satirical book. There's a lot of satire in this book and it does cover a lot of different topics that we have in modern day society. But I would say the main topic in this book is definitely racism and academia, especially towards the Asian community in, in I would say, in general, if we had to generalise the topic. And the way that the author deals with these issues is in quite a comical and satirical way. So as a reader, you're it's it's engaging to read you want to read more yeah. so you feel educated as you go through the book and we are roughly over halfway I would say yeah I would say we've reached halfway yes and I'm gobbling this book up I'm really really enjoying it considering the topics sound very heavy in the description that I just gave you it it doesn't feel heavy when you're reading it it's no. such a easy book to read in a sense because of how conversational it is which is what I've been saying, I think, since we started this book, that you just want to sit down and I really enjoy reading about the main character and the journey she's going on and she's made a lot of mistakes. I feel like in the in the chapters we've read since last week, this book went from like about a five to like a hundred <laughs> in terms of the drama <laughs> and um, just everything that's going on, really. In this part of the book, um, quite a lot of focus was put on this theatre play that was called Chinatown Blues. And everybody was literally up in arms because there's a, a, a Caucasian, a white person playing the Chinese main character. And it's like they were basically, why? Why is there, why couldn't they find a Chinese person to play that Chinese character? And there was just uproar, wasn't there? Protests, yeah. everything. <laughs> and they had like this um, forum, didn't they? Yes. And everyone could voice their opinions or yeah. boycott the play or, or cancel it in some way. And the back and forth dialogue that happened at that forum, you could just imagine being in there and feeling just confused of what is the right answer here because... Some people are like, these roles are very, you know, few and far between. It should be played authentically by the, you know, someone that fits the part. And then other people are like, yeah, but if if white people only played white people and there's mm. stuff like that, where's the creativity? Can we only play what we are? And it was just going back and forth. And you're just like, I don't know where I would sit on, on this opinion of the play. I wouldn't know what, what to say. I was actually thinking that it, it would have been a very good debate topic for you, wouldn't it, when you'd have been doing your debate club? <laughs> well, yes, I guess this is when you get into it, where it's like, you know, in a, in a sense, I, I think people should play the roles that come to them and the roles that fit them. But I also don't think you should only play what you are because that does limit what you can do. But yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There was a bit in it, you know, when they were in the protest and there's Zoe, which is Vivian Vaux's girlfriend, isn't she? Oh, and I have to say Ingrid <laughs> said so many inappropriate things yeah. to Zoe. I know. Well, I think there was like a, bit... a line in the book yes. when she was like, I've never interacted with someone, you know, of this culture. And, yeah. and she just <laughs> said like all the wrong things. Like, you can't be saying that. 
I did put down the page on that because she just goes something about yo bro or something wasn't it it was some kind of and I was like no I can't believe she's done that she's just like oh dear and you just wanted to crawl into a hole and like go Ingrid what are you saying (laughs) yeah like that is not acceptable that's not acceptable not acceptable at all no but I also thought it was quite good that the author put that in the book to show that it's you know anybody gets it wrong it also shows that it's not just a white and black thing you know it's going it's all over the place you know that you always think Mm. of racism as just being um a white and black and it's not there's lots of different cultures it's happening all over isn't there and you could say british and irish you know it, it can be exactly but I know what you mean. People always think that that's the main debate and topic. And actually, it goes far deeper than that. <laughs> and I think this book is really tackling those sorts of conversations. It's definitely tackling those situations. And then, obviously, you've got the, the other side. What What is going on with her boyfriend? What's happening there? Well, <laughs> I was thinking about her boyfriend. Because her, Stephen is a Japanese translator, but he doesn't speak Japanese. no. But he's learning Chinese Don't you think now. that's hilarious? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a white guy who doesn't speak Japanese, but is translating Japanese fiction. I just think that's crazy. Yeah, but he's now but learning yes, Chinese. But now he's learning Chinese. And he's, like, trying to get, like, you know, his feet under the table that is uh, her mum and dad's and trying to... Be and she hated shit. that, didn't she? <laughs> yes, she did. I think because he was... I know he was doing it with good intention, I think, to show that he cares, but it just made her look bad because she yes. was like, he knows more proper custom than I do and it just makes her look bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his, the woman who he's translating for, she's come over to America, hasn't she? And they're doing some tours and Ingrid absolutely hates her. And yeah. I think it's because she almost plays into this stereotype of, of what, an Asian woman is maybe and it's touched upon by her lecturer as well because oh my gosh her lecturer has gone off the rails hasn't he oh oh gosh he has Michael yeah yeah because his wife yes. has left him <laughs> yes and he he talks about that stereotype <gasps> yes. and what he expected her to be and yes I think this woman that is Stephen's obviously talking to and has come over is almost meant to mirror that sort of conversation that that Michael started but I could not believe I mean Michael was a dubious character we knew as soon as the book started he was he was dodgy but yeah this book like I say it's just gone from it's just gone crazy and one thing I am disappointed in is how Ingrid treated her best friend oh Eunice Eunice, when she came over which Eunice Eunice was donning some blonde hair or something and blue blue eyes. eyes yeah well but she kind of, yeah, she re- I, I was disappointed as well because she basically dissed her friend and and stuck with the protesters. I don't really know what's going on in Ingrid's head. I'm not sure if those tablets <laughs> Ingrid's are Ingrid's got a drug problem her. as well. She, yeah, yeah. she clearly does. <laughs> She's clearly hallucinating. <laughs> Every time she takes a tablet, she sees John Smith just wandering around and has like a crazy <laughs> moment. And everyone's like, are you okay? <laughs> we shouldn't laugh it's terrible she's definitely got a drug problem oh i know um, i know but, but... I, I think the 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 issue with eunice is i think when she she's ingrid's obviously hanging out with this group of people that is very much like we're being our culture's being erased there's all this stuff wrong 
And Eunice, as you say, she's got the blonde hair. She was wearing some blue contact lenses and she's she's dating what they call a, a white Yankee kind of man, yeah. which <laughs> is probably not the proper terminology we should use either. So in a way, this group that Ingrid's hanging around with, what Eunice is doing is everything they stand against. But at the mm. same time, Ingrid, at the beginning of the book, spoke about how with Eunice, it was the first friend that she met that, you know, ate the food from her heritage and really celebrated who she was. And I wonder if the book is trying to tell us that it's okay to be adaptive to certain cultures as long as you celebrate yourself. Because I feel like Eunice is comfortable with who she is and she's not changing herself to appeal to, say, white America. She's just happy being that version of herself. So I don't know, Claire. I don't know if we can really comment on it, but I think it's a really interesting book. I'm learning a lot. Yeah, I I am as well. It's, It's very good. And and obviously there's a there's um, Vivian Vo has come out with something that <gasps> that yeah. Ingrid is trying at the moment to keep very secret, and she is becoming quite obsessed with the fact that Vivian Vo has commented on this particular thing. I don't want to talk about it because it no, it's too much. We of don't story want to talk away. about the main plot. No, no. no. The, um, the main so... plot we haven't touched upon <laughs> at all. If you can believe everything me and Claire are saying it's not main plot. It's just madness. Yeah. So so that's that's going to be interesting, isn't it? And um yeah, it, it finished on quite a, a a kind of a cliffhanger type thing because of what she's done on the internet. So yeah. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I remember texting you and I was like, Claire, it's gone absolutely crazy. Yeah. And you were like, I've not even read it yet. And I was like, what? <laughs> I had to get down to it then because I was like, oh my God, what's happened? But uh, I yeah. Just, I think it's great. I think it's absolutely amazing. And you do need to check it out. I just think the way Elaine's portrayed everything in this book in such a satirical way is, I don't know, it's easy to mm. to read and understand and feel like you're learning as well as you go through because yeah. they are it is a messy topic it's difficult there's so many different opinions and viewpoints and i think she's she's tackled it greatly oh she's it it's so the writing is so smooth as well it's so easy you know if you're not um if you find difficult books and it puts you off reading this one although it's a big book and it's little writing it just reads so well Pick it up, buy it, you know. Yeah, I feel like the way we talk about it, it sounds like it's, people might think, oh gosh, that's very heavy. I don't really want to dive into that. But yeah, the way she writes, it doesn't feel that way. So we're going to read up to page 279, which is the beginning of part four, which is called Summer. Now that is almost an 100 page jump, but as we've just been saying, this book is so easy to read, so it's not going to take you long to read those 100 pages. And if anything, you'll thank us because you'll want to know what's going on. <laughs> you'll did, want to read those 100 pages. I did pages. do a, a sneaky start of the next chapter because I was like, no, what's it going to start with? Only a very, I only did a couple of lines. <laughs> wow. Wow. I did not. Self-restraint, self-control for you. Though. I only did a couple of lines. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's Disorientation by Elaine Shea Chow. Make sure you get up to page 279 by... Uh, the next time our podcast rolls around which will be next monday at 8am as always and yeah what other books have we been reading claire 
Oh, I, do you know what? R- reading two really good books at the moment. I am absolutely really enjoying this Lisa Jewell book, The Family Upstairs. It is so good. Again, it's just so easy reading and um, it's got, it keeps jumping into different time zones. So we keep dropping back to the 1980s and then we're at present time. And um, it's all following this character called uh, Libby, who has uh, been, has inherited the family home that um, she got taken away from at 10 months old because um, her family committed suicide. What has come out of this story now is there are two other children involved in the family and we're starting to get their backstory. And one of them... Oh, yes, because the two missing children. Yeah, the two missing children that just disappeared. And one of them is called um, Lucy. And she's now in her 40s and has two children and living on the street in France and got involved with um, a man called... I think his name's Michael, who was basically very abusive towards her and she managed to leave him, but she ended up on the streets. But she's a very good fiddler. So she's very what? good at playing. <laughs> oh. She's very good at playing the violin. I didn't quite say that yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for those young people that listen to the podcast, Claire, they might not be. Uh, they might not know what a fiddler is. <laughs> she learned how to play the fiddle from somebody that was living in the house with her parents because the house that her parents lived in. Now I'm getting the feeling became a bit of a cult. And there was all these different people coming and living in the house. It was it's a very strange setup because they her parents they didn't start the cult, but kind of the people who came in were sort of the cult type thing. So yeah, it's it's very it's just very intriguing and it's it's very gripping and it's very twist there's lots of twists and turns. There's also a male character as well. The one of the, uh, the boy who is the brother. I don't know uh, as much about him at the moment, but I know he was very uncomfortable in the family situation of all these people coming and living in the house. And uh, he didn't want them to live there anymore. And I, I do wonder whether he, he was a part of maybe what happened to the parents. I don't know, but we will find out. But I think his name was David. It's it's so good. You're just getting these stories, and then they're all still, they're all going to start coming together. But but each of the inheritance. So the inheritance first went to the boy, and he didn't turn up on his twenty fifth birthday. And then it went to the girl, and she didn't turn up, and that's why it ended up with the baby on her twenty fifth birthday. Oh, because yeah. no one else turned because up. Nobody claimed that inheritance. Well, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and she's got a private investigator. Oh, not a private investigator, sorry. Somebody, a journalist, had done, uh, had covered the story and had got quite obsessed with it and she's contacted that journalist. So he's like over the moon that he's met the baby, the 10-month-old baby that got taken away and he got to go in the house. So there's, there's him, her and her friend who are now called Dido who are now sort of investigating and looking into where the what happened in the family, what happened to the brother and sisters. It's great. There's just it, it's so much. I'm loving it. It sounds like, yeah, so much going on. It sounds really exciting. It's 
and there's a I think there's a sequel and I've got the sequel as well so there was both books when I picked them up so hopefully I have got the one that follows that book sounds amazing Claire sounds really really good I'm still reading The Honjin Murders by I think it's Zeishi Yokimizu but I'm not I'm I'm still trying to learn the pronunciation of that but bear with me I will get there <laughs> and this book is also uh, translated by Louise Heal Kawai um, and I think it's always worth noting the translators because I think it does take a lot <laughs> to change another language into English without losing any of the context or what the words mean and this book is it's an old Japanese classic thriller and it's your classic locked murder mystery case so this husband and wife it was on their wedding day they were murdered in the night but all the doors were locked where they were and also it snowed that night and none of the snow was touched near where they were staying which means nobody went in or came out oh so who murdered them wow that's the premise and the husband is from a very very rich and wealthy family but from almost old money I would say whereas the the wife is from another family that is very wealthy but they have got their wealth from new money so the families from the get-go we know don't get on and there were some issues surrounding the wedding itself so there's definitely motives at play here but I don't think money is one of them and I will say the thing about this book is it's very the thing that I can relate it to that I've read already is like Agatha Christie there's a, a cast of characters that all are being interviewed they're all very very shifty and I have to keep looking at the contents page to remember who's who because <laughs> <laughs> I forget who, who who's related to who what their job is um and What's interesting is that we're kind of going through the case notes and the interviews, but through the eyes of a crime writer who is deducing and detecting what happened during this case to come out with who the culprit is. And it's quite interesting because it's very similar to The Beast in the Shadows that I read. In terms of how it's told, it's very by the book. It's not very flowery with its writing. It's almost like straight to the point. Like You're getting to the nitty-gritty as soon as you you read the book and the main character who is the the crime writer he's very pro if I had to say he was like another character that I'd read just in the way that he goes about his business so I'm really really enjoying it and I like how small this book is as well I'm I'm on about page 60 and there's only about 200 pages in the book so you really feel like Mm. you're getting through a story quickly but not missing anything because it feels like there's enough there and we've not cut any corners. And of course, a locked murder mystery case is always baffling because I can't think about how they did it. I can only think they were in the room before it snowed and they must have stayed in the room until the bodies were found. But where? And who did it? Oh, it sounds very intriguing, like, the book I've got is just like lots of twists and turns and how they've managed, you know, how did, how did it happen? Oh, yeah. I just, 
Ooh. So as usual, Mum's given me a great book recommendation. She's really good at book, re- book recommendations. Everything she gives me, I'm like, oh my gosh, it was so good. So that is it from me and Claire. Remember, if you are reading along Disorientation with us by Elaine Shea Chow, make sure you get to page 279, which is the kind of beginning of the summer quarter, which is the fourth part. Don't read past that unless you can't help yourself like Claire. <laughs> Um, and do follow us on our Instagram at Lounging With Books. Let us know your thoughts on disorientation. And of course, feel free to give me and Claire any book recommendations because we always want new book recommendations, don't we, Claire? We always so do, does. yes. <laughs> it is goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.